Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Hawks Hall. The place is at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. the great college basketball venues in the nation. UD Arena. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back. God, welcome back. It's talking out loud. If you're joining us on the podcast feed or on 1410 ESPN Radio, I welcome you in for another rousing edition of Talking Out Loud, where we dissect Dayton basketball to the nth degree on the number one show in the Atlantic 10. Not much to dissect tonight. Grab a stiff drink. If you're listening on the radio and driving around, please don't grab a stiff drink, but strap in because we got 45 minutes of talking about an absolute disaster in Blacksburg, Virginia. Dayton, a 28-point loser to the Virginia Tech Hokies, who are a God's Honest NCAA Tournament team. Final score, 77-49. 28-point loss. I have my friend, Confidant, and the godfather of Dayton basketball blogging, Blackburn, along with me to dissect the carnage. And Blackburn, I'm going to hit you with a trivia question. We're going to have a couple of them here uh, throughout the program. But first things first, Blackburn, how bad was this loss? I want to tell, I want you to tell me, rather, the last time Dayton took a loss by 28 points or more. And I'll give you a hint. It was not in the Anthony Grant era. This is the second worst loss in the Anthony Grant era, a 23-point loss last season, uh, sorry, two seasons ago, 2021 at VCU, a 66-43 to point defeat was the worst loss of Anthony Grant's tenure to date, surpassed by today's 28-point shellacking. So my question to you, what was the worst loss, 28 points or more, before tonight? I'm okay. I'm assuming it's under the Archie Miller regime. It is. It is. It's under the Archie Miller era. Correct. Was it a team from the state of New York? It was not. Oh, okay. Because like, you're on the right track. You're on the right track. So it wasn't it was, that that Buffalo blowout at home? Yeah. So Dayton did take a 29 point loss in November 2011 to Buffalo. If you listened to the podcast last week, we did rehash that because it was the last time Dayton lost to a MAC opponent. However, there was one loss. After that, oh, they got doubled up by VCU one year, right? Uh, there was a bad loss to VCU, but not the one I'm referencing <laughs> specifically. Unfortunately, there's too many bad losses to really yeah. kind of zero in on the the last bad one. Yeah, there's there's a handful. I mean, Dayton, to their credit, they don't lose 20 point games very often. Let's be honest here, and that, that is, is the what, motto of the program right now. Well, and honestly, like that is what makes a loss like tonight just so incredibly deflating is because Dayton put together an embarrassing effort. They were never in the game past about the eight-minute mark. And when we get absolutely blown out like this, it's jarring for people because it just doesn't happen that often. So question still stands, Blackburn. When was the last time Dayton took a loss 
by more than 28 points. I have I, I I'm drawing a complete blank. I, I assume I thought it would be that Buffalo or that that time VCU doubled us up. Yeah, this one uh, actually flew under the radar for me. It was in Archie Miller's second season, Saturday, February 2013, February 2nd, 2013. Dayton lost by 29 points at Chaffetz Arena at the hands of the Billikens, 81 to 52. The Jordair Jet, uh, if you remember, Flyer fans, that was the year that St. Louis blitzed the conference 13 and 3. Went to the NCAA tournament as a four seed, lost in the second round. So this is Dayton's worst defeat since 2013 at Chaffetz Arena. If you want to go more than 29 points, Blackburn, do you want to do you want to take a stab at that one? I'll let you go as well. When was the last time Dayton lost a game by more than 30 points? Was it against Xavier? No, it was Cincy? not, but close. Close. Cincy. There you go, Cincinnati. Yeah. Saturday, November 27th. 2010, Dayton lost a 34-point game, 68-34, at the hands of the Bearcats at U.S. Bank Arena. A true low point for Brian Gregory that season. Um, They were able to turn that season around, so to speak, for Brian Gregory terms. But we have to start the program on that particular note because the Flyers are now 5-5, and and I was absolutely stunned, even forgot it myself, the great historian of Dayton basketball that I am, your boy Sully here, uh, I didn't introduce myself at the top of the program, but I think if you've been listening to this show, if you're on ESPN radio or the podcast feed, you probably knew that by now. But I have some bad news, Blackburn. And really all we do have right now is bad news around Dayton land. I went back and I said to myself, God, this is the second time that Anthony Grant has started five and five in his first 10 games at Dayton. But I was wrong. This is actually the third time in six seasons, yes, Flyer fans, half of the seasons that Anthony Grant has been on campus, he has started the season five and five in the first 10 games. So I start right there uh, tonight after our opening trivia segment. Is it, you know, when I try to make sense of these losses, I I try to use good examples on the radio. And um, tonight, all I could think about was, um, stay with me here, Blackburn, You, you, you you tend to go off. (laughs) <laughs> when you're in the grocery store and you see a kid, you know, acting out, you know, causing a ruckus, uh, you know, pulling fruit out of, you know, just pulling fruit out of the baskets, throwing things all over the place, you know, he's yelling, screaming, parent yells at him, whatever. Your inclination is not to blame that child. It never is. But instead, you blame the parent because you say, God, how did you let your kid get like that? Yeah, how do you how do you have a mouthy kid like that? Why is he yelling, screaming? Your inclination is always to blame the parent because they're more mature. They've been around the block. They're older. They know that that behavior is unacceptable. And so where I find myself tonight with the Flyers starting five and five for the third time in six seasons in Anthony Grant's tenure is feeling bad for the players. I feel bad for this roster. I feel bad for all the talent being wasted on this team because these boys are supposed to be directed in a winning direction. And you have to point the finger at the coaching staff that is responsible for directing them in that winning direction. And it's sad. It's sad because usually this would be a show where I would come on and it would light into the team and God, you know, what, what the heck are they doing out there? This garbage. And that's really not where I'm standing here today. I think we could all agree going into the season. There was a ton of talent on this roster. I heard from everybody 
up and down 75 around the Dayton area, alumni alike. This team was loaded. They were deep, all kinds of talent. But the reality was this team was not deep. This team was filled with a bunch of wings, guys that were 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", the body types that Anthony Grant wanted to run his system. But the reality was they, they only had four guards on this team. And the two of those guards, their starting guards, are now injured. So the onus falls on the coaching staff to change the game plan, to change the identity of this team, to change the strengths, to hide the weaknesses. And none of that has happened. We are looking at a team now that does absolutely nothing well offensively, a team that relies on the three-point shoot, the three-point shot, but cannot shoot the three-point shot. After tonight, Dayton is attempting 38% of their attempts from beyond the arc, and they are shooting 27%. I went back as far as the 2001 season, and I could not find a team that was even at 29% from the three-point arc. So if you're playing along, following along at home, 25 seasons, I went back and could not find a Dayton team that is shooting worse than this team we have right now. So what you have is a roster constructed with wings and supposedly athletic big men. What you have is a roster constructed with one of the most elite big men we've had here at Dayton in the last 20 years. But if you do not put shooters around that big men, the big man, and, and of course, I'm talking about Deron Holmes. His talents are neutralized. The guy is averaging 16 and 7 a game, and it's not making a lick of difference on this roster because he has no space. They don't need to, res- no, no opponent needs to respect the three point arc against Dayton. And tonight, when they needed to find a spark, when they needed to change the offensive game plan, Dayton went right back to the same crap they've been doing all year through 10 games, which is no longer a sample size. They shot three of 15 from downtown. If you go back to southeastern Louisiana, that was their best shooting game of the year, seven for 16. And no game besides that one has Dayton eclipsed 30% from beyond the arc. So you look at all these factors, all these big men you have, roster construction, flipping the script on a season when you have guys injured and you have to ask yourself, what is the coaching staff doing right now? How are they making this team better? Because there is absolutely no argument to support right now that this team is getting better game by game. It's actually much easier to argue that this team is getting significantly worse game by game. And I have to ask all these questions that We knew that this team only had four guards going into the year, but yet Anthony Grant has Rich Amafile on the roster who looked dreadful. You know, no, no disrespect to the kid as a person. He didn't belong on the court tonight. You have a guy like Tyrone Baker, who was a big man. We have six big men on the roster. Anthony Grant brought in Tyrone Baker, a transfer from Georgia, and then redshirted him. What good does that do this year's team? Next year in the offseason, there will be 30 big men available that will be better than the one that we got this year. So you have to ask yourself, has this college game passed Anthony Grant by, or is there a larger plan that is simply not playing out? And I'm asking all of these questions tonight because in half of the seasons that Anthony Grant has been on campus, the Flyers have started the year 5-5, five and five, which every single person on this podcast can agree is not good enough. 
long preamble tonight for the podcast Blackburn, but I just had a lot of things to unload because this is this is as disappointed in the program as as honestly I think I've ever been. You know, there's mad, there's there's angry. I remember in 2021 at the year after the you know the magical 2020 season, I remember being angry because I felt like there was so much talent and they were doing nothing with it. This year, I feel true sorrow for the talent on this roster because they're being failed by the coaching staff. And I feel bad for Deron Holmes that his draft stock is plummeting off a cliff because we did not surround him with shooters to highlight the absolute talent that he has down low. He uses the same move in the post over and over and over again. He hasn't diversified his game. And what we have right now is a square peg and round hole situation where Anthony Grant had to change the makeup of this team and how they're going to attack offensively. And unfortunately, what we've got was trying to do the same things over and over and over again with a roster that does not complement that style. That's why you have five and five. That's why you scored 42 points against Wisconsin and lost. That's why you got blown out by NC State. That's why you dropped a 19-point lead to BYU. And that's why you got absolutely embarrassed on the road against Virginia Tech. And Anthony Grant now drops to 0-7 on the road in non-conference, six seasons into his tenure, has not won a single game on the road in the non-conference. Again, I'm not mad. I'm upset that this is the direction the program has gone in. They have built nothing off of the success of 2020. We were sold a bill of goods that we were going to come back to the promised land. Hey, don't worry. We'll rebuild. We'll get younger. And then this is going to be the year that we shine and we all come together to celebrate success as fans. And it simply hasn't happened. If you believe Anthony Grant is the guy for the long term, God bless you. But at this point, you have to see what you're looking at for what it is right in front of your eyes. This isn't good enough. And the bill of goods that you have been sold is not what is in front of your eyes. We are looking at a bad basketball team that does nothing well offensively with a coaching staff that is lost and has no idea how to fix it with a roster full of guys that is unprepared to take the court. We have guys that have been on the roster for a year and a half that look completely unprepared to play on the court. Who does that fall on? It falls directly on the coaching staff. So I I say all that tonight because at some point, people are going to have to see this product for what it is. You know, we have we've said here that the goal at Dayton and the goal that has been stated by the athletic director all the way down. This is a direct quote. We say it all the time is that Dayton's direct quote is we share a common vision of graduating student athletes consistently competing for conference championships and advancing in the NCAA tournament. Those things have only happened one out of six years in Anthony Grant's tenure. So hard questions have to be asked, and fans need to start seeing this product for what it is, and that is simply not good enough. We'll hear from Blackburn on the other side of the break. You're listening to Talking Out Loud on 1410 ESPN Radio. Welcome back in Talking Out Loud on the podcast feed and 1410 ESPN Radio. I'm your boy Sully with Blackburn dissecting the Dayton shellacking that they just received 
at the Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. Castle Coliseum? You don't care. Uh, 77-49, the finish. Dayton, 28-point losers. Talked about in the first segment. Worst loss Dayton has taken in quite some time, all the way back to 2013. I'm here with Blackburn dissecting that carnage. Dayton drops a 5-5. and And um, Blackburn, you know, I unloaded the clip in the first segment because... You did, yeah. um, There's... There's results like this where uh, before we went on, you know, I was I was pouring through the stats and and you said something that was quite poignant to me. You were like, "Do the stats really matter in a game like this?" And, and I and I'm inclined to say no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you say? I'm inclined to say no. I mean, we talk about this all the time, it, particularly when you're in a, a season like this where every game is a struggle. Um, it, it's the common themes just start popping out at you. And, you know, it's your, the criticism becomes repetitive because you're noticing the same things night in, night out. And like you said in the first segment, those things aren't being either addressed or they're just not going to change. And the really kind of, it's kind of crazy to think that this team is so poor, such a poor perimeter shooting team. And you're right. In the beginning of the year, we kind of discussed it and, it was kind of like, look, they'll regress to the mean here. They're not going to shoot 20, 25% every Yeah, night. eventually. We were like, oh, eventually, you know, they'll, right. they'll touch stride. But we're a third of the way through the season. It's not a sample set anymore. No, I mean, and, and that's the scary part is if if this team's going to be a, and I think this is probably safe to say at this point, a sub 200 three-point shooting team for the rest of the way, right? Um. Yeah, I, think I don't know how competitive point. I mean they, at this point, right? Like, um, let's just say they're not going to be even an average three point shooting team come March. The numbers no, are not going to reflect no. that. A- I mean, average right now in in the NCAA as a whole. Again, we're about a third of the way through the season. Average right now is about thirty three percent. So you're, you know okay. five for fifteen per night. Dayton's right. only eclipsed that mark one out of ten games. Right. So it's, that's not a, that's not a bug. That's a feature of this program right now. And that's very concerning for for me because that's, that's something that's uh, you hope would change over time. But I I just don't, I think this is just what the team is. And I don't understand why Mongolia Mike seems to have a good stroke. Uh, You know, Kobe Ellis, uh, Elvis, obviously he's not playing anymore, but he had a decent stroke. And it just seems like guys like Kamara and Blakeney, um, you know, it, it, at what point is it futile to even try to attempt threes at this point? I know they're going to leave you open. We talked about this last time we, we spoke. If you're game planning this this Dayton team, what are you doing on defense? You're, you're packing it in, right? You have to. M- make him beat you from the outside. You know, yeah. let him hit two or three in a row. Then maybe we'll pick up a little, a little tighter. But until that happens, this is what the team is. And you're absolutely – you hit the nail on the head when you discussed, you know, Deron Holmes, his development – it's really tough when you don't have the, that outside presence, right? When you can collapse on a guy like Holmes yeah. and you make, you make, and look, to be quite honest, is his skill set where it probably should be at this point, at this stage in his career? Probably not. You know, he's still mainly a dunker, uh, you know, a couple of baby hooks, one well, pump I mean, fake take, under. Take it, take it back just one notch, right? Like if he was an average college basketball player, you'd be like, man, you know, this guy's pretty solid. Like his comps right now, and the, the number one comp he has on, um, uh, on Ken Palm. And if you don't know this at the bottom of Ken Palm on the rankings, there's a comparison to like in this year of their, um, development or in the sophomore year who the comparison is. And 
his comparison is Pascal Siakam, who is like a like a very good player in the NBA, right? So yep. I, I just stopped you there because I'm like, for a college player, he's quite good. I mean, he's he's great. He has talent, particularly but, for a mid major player. Yes, correct. But I, I think what you're getting at is for how good he was last year, that jump just it's not there right now. Right. Exactly. It. it and I, I didn't necessarily expect it to be, to be quite honest. Um, and well, that's I, the unfair part because everybody expected the Obi Toppin, right? Like, right. But you know, if he put on like thirty pounds of muscle this summer, right, and became like a monster, that'd be one thing. But it's just, it's clear this is what his body is until he gets, hopefully, to the professional level. Um, he's going to be kind of a lanky guy, not really, you know, not really a lot of upper body strength. Uh, not really, you know, you saw it tonight with Basildi. He was not really able to man, to kind of body him up, you know? Mm-hmm. No. Um, and Basildi was a little bit quicker, believe it or not, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, particularly off the dribble, you know, that's something that, that Holmes just doesn't have in his game right now. And again, you wonder if you're wasting this guy's potential, you know, we don't know what the future holds either. You know, this is something I, I kind of wanted to get in with, into with you tonight. Um, because you know, obviously the portal is, is jumping off right now in college football. Um, and it will obviously be, be very active, uh, come March and April. Sure. But, you know, we had a, a very long winded discussion about Anthony Grant, the future of the UD program. Um, if he's the right guy to kind of be the steward of the, of the program going forward. And it, it kind of, you know, I kind of thought about it tonight watching the game, you know, I'm thinking Mally Smith, you know, he, he could be out for the rest of the year. We just don't know. We don't know what's going on there. Um, he could choose yeah. to shut it down. So let's reevaluate. And again, this is all hypothetical as, as everything is. That's radio. If, that's radio. That's the fun part. You know, just making stuff up with no accountability. That's what this is all about. <laughs> ESPN <laughs> does it every day for like seven yeah, exactly. hours a day. Yeah. But if, I wonder if the Anthony Grant defenders and apologists if they would reevaluate their stance, if the flyers lost one or two key guys to the portal this year and that key guy, you could, you could define that how you, how you wish that does. It's not really that significant, but the big fear in Flyerland, I I think you agree with me on this is that if we, if Anthony Grant is, you know, resigns or is not around next year to coach the team, we're we're at the blow everything up. It's going to be a slow two to three year progression just to get back to this point. And I wonder if you lose a couple of guys to the portal, if you're pretty much at a, at a point where you're blowing up the program anyway, and if that yeah. changes their opinion as to whether or not Anthony Grant should re- remain the head guy at UD. Well, it, it goes back to this. And and uh, if you're just joining us again, Sully and Blackburn here on talking out loud, um, it, it goes back to the same point that we have discussed a lot in the last probably 18 months is that there were very strict talking points in support of Anthony Grant, right? On the court only. I'm not going to get into how nice of a guy he is because frankly, I, I really don't care. I really, really don't care. If, if date, and, and let me say it just like this. If we had a, pro, a guy leading the program who was a complete, just, a hole, but we were winning games. I would love that. I would love nothing more. Okay, that's what and I want, I, and, I, and I, re- I really mean that. Like, I didn't particularly love Archie Miller as a person. 
I thought he was quite guarded. I thought he was very robotic. I thought that he was not very personable. And and you know what? That's the way he was. He was a basketball coach. But you know what? Yeah. I want my basketball coach to be a basketball coach. So I truly just don't I, I don't have any more patience for that. Like, well, he's a good guy. No one's ever said otherwise. Okay. So, you know, on the court, the the arguments for Grant were that and you remember all of them, right? Like alumni yeah. knows the identity of the program. Okay. Whatever fine. that means, right? Okay. Don't know what that means, but that's fine. Yeah. I like having an alumni leading the program. I do, you know, selfishly. But that he was a great player, player development guy, that he was mm. a great recruiter, mm. and that he runs an NBA system. Okay. Mm. Those were the three things. The player development part definitely had legs to stand on and still does because if you you cannot discount Obi Toppin, right? Whether or not he was going to make that jump with or without Anthony Grant, that is not for me to sit here and speculate and we'll never know. But for better or worse, you have to give him credit for the development of Obi Toppin and becoming what he was. I, you know, again, fair or unfair, Anthony Grant gets to do that. Okay. I think we yeah, can he both gets credit for that. sure. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So then you, you talk about his NBA style of play. And I just mentioned on the first segment, um, that is clearly not working. Okay. We're five and five for the third time in six years. It's not working. Okay. It didn't work his first year. He had to blow up the roster. He had the exact same roster he had in 2020 and 2019. They lost countless close games and they missed the tournament. The year after, they had Jalen, Rodney, and Ibby leading the charge with a senior, Jordy Shamunga. And, and they were bad. They were just frankly bad. And they didn't highlight the strengths of Crutcher. The team kind of quit on him towards the end. Crutcher and Ibby were just getting their stats. Didn't work that year. And last year, it took so long for the team to learn this NBA-style system and concepts that by the time that they gelled and figured out how to play that style, it was too late. And they were playing from behind. And they still lost close games anyways. So then you fast forward to this year, we're five and five. You lost your two guards that you were relying on, and you're back to square peg and round hole. You were trying to put guys in roles that Anthony Grant's system, NBA style concept playing is not working for. And Grant doesn't have anywhere to pivot because that's his style of play. That's who he's going to be. Okay. So that's number two. So then you go to the recruiting portion, and that can be shut down quite quickly. I don't care who you recruit if you can't win games with those guys. It doesn't matter who you recruit. Caleb Washington was a top 100 recruit. What? He just got in and got his first meaningful minutes, if you want to call him meaningful, against Virginia Tech. He's been on campus for a year and a half, and he's done nothing. So why do I care that he was in the top 100 of recruits? And again, I want to say this because people do this crap all the time. We're talking about the basketball playing only. I'm not taking a shot at anybody's character. We're just talking about the guys on the floor. And, and I said it in the first segment, and I'll say it again. I feel bad for the guys on the floor, and I feel bad for this team because I feel like they're being let down by the coaching staff. So long way to say, all three of those things that, that everybody was hanging their hat on with AG, am I wrong in saying that like those are tough to stand on right now? All three, all three facets, right? Yeah, I think it's safe to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what, what, and let me ask this, man, just like in fairness, like what argument is left for people to believe 
that the program is headed in the right direction beyond blindly saying, well, AG was responsible for 2020, so he could do it again. Is is there really any argument left besides that at this juncture? Well, that, that's not even an argument. That's praying for a miracle. I mean, we, exactly. we discussed the, the absolute exactly. absurd circumstances that led to Obi Toppin, A, coming to Dayton, and B, developing at Dayton, right? Um, th- that's lightning in a bottle. It, it's not going to happen again. But you, something that's very interesting to me is that, you know, people had a lot of, like you said, uh, people had pretty high expectations for this program coming into this year. And that includes the press, right? This is a top 25 team preseason. And they, sh- and they should have. That was not unwarranted, but, you know? See, I thought, I don't know. I didn't think it was a, as much of a slam dunk as I think everyone else did. Well, I mean, that's easy to say now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I agree like, with you. I'm just saying it's like really easy to say that now, you know? Well, I, I realize that, but like somebody pointed out a, a quote from Mark Titus from like a couple of weeks ago, I think mm-hmm. um, it might've actually been from preseason. And the guy was like, you know, I retweeted this when it came out and it really applies to, to right now. And Titus is uh, essentially goes, you know, people are banking on Dayton improving this year, A, and B, improving from a team that didn't make the tournament and really hung its hat on a team uh, beating Kansas, which a lot of teams that beat was, Kansas last year. And that was that was the only thing that you could hang your hat on from that team because right. if, if you look back and if you're a person that was like, well, Dayton was like one game away from the tournament, the literal only reason they were one game away from the tournament was because they beat Kansas. That was it. If the, and, and I'm telling you right now, like the margin of error is this small. And I'm telling you, it's this small. Listen, people, listen. If Mustafa Amzil's shot banks out, Dayton isn't even close to the field. They're not even close to the field. Okay? That's the reality. So you're right. I mean, we're at the point now where Dayton is basically going to be the poster child for people saying, and, and this was this was a common thread or common sentiment, was that you don't just get better because you're bringing everybody back. If anything, exactly. there's way more tape on you now, and teams know exactly what you're going to do, all your strengths and weaknesses, and all that film was not there last year. And, you know, number one, and then the second point, of course, is that Besides, you know, after the the tournament that they were in in Orlando, um, Dayton had like one good win, two good wins. They had two top 50 wins after they came home from that tournament. They beat Virginia Tech and they beat Davidson last game of the year. Now, the metrics did have them as like a top 25 team after their their four game losing streak or three game losing streak to start one and three. But, but it was already too late. So, you know assuming they were going to get better was just that it was assuming. And you know what they say about assuming I do. And my point is this real quickly, that my general take on it was that why would you expect an Anthony Grant coach team to either reach its potential or go above its potential of this, this season of all of them, you know, well, I mean? you know exactly why. And we just said it because of 2020. I, that's right. Why, but I know that's why everybody does it, but I know his history. That's all I'm saying. There's a lot yeah. more evidence of him being a mediocre coach than a good one. But that's exactly why I'm trying to play both sides because we've always done that here, right? I've always been extremely to. fair to both sides, and I've tried to understand why are people still blindly putting faith in AG, and the answer is 2020. That's it. 
that is it feels it feels good yeah. it feels good to do it yeah you feel because like a good person well yeah because you say to yourself well i followed the program for 30 years like me and, and you followed the program yeah. your whole life and he's the only coach to take us take us to the top five okay all right like i hear that man i really do like i understand why you would feel that way to say well he might be able to do it again but unfortunately I have 14 other years of coaching experience to point to to say that's not the reality. It's an outlier. Mm-hmm. And I can pour, you know, I sit through on this podcast, we pour through statistics. We talk about statistics all the time. Here's what Dayton needs to do. And, you know, here's how they got to play. And you can't ignore 14 years of statistics because of one aberration of a season with the best player that's ever come through Dayton. You can't do it. And if you are willing to do it, you're an idiot that is not willing to be objective. And and I don't really have patience for that in these kinds of discussions because they're not good faith discussions. They're homers. They're simple-minded people who don't want to see the reality in front of them. They just want to put on their red sweaters and cheer on the boys. And, and I don't have patience <laughs> for that because this is a business. And everybody yep. on this podcast knows, listening to the show knows it's a business. Everybody on the radio, you know this is a business. So you can't turn around and not treat it as a business when it's convenient for your argument. This is a business and the business of winning, and we're not getting it done. We're not cashing checks. We're using resources and money to go five and five, three years out of six. That's reality. (laughs) I mean, you know, I I guess, you know what? That was a great place to end the segment. We'll be right back. This is Talking Out Loud with Sully and Blackburn right here on the podcast feed and 1410 ESPN Radio Dayton. Welcome back in Talking Out Loud. Sully and Blackburn joining you on the podcast feed and 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton, dissecting the carnage from Dayton's 28-point defeat at the hands of the Hokies, 77-49, the final in Blacksburg, dropping Dayton to 5-5. and uh, To round out the show tonight, uh, it, it's crap. You know, we've been obviously going through this and being like, oh my God, like we're so terrible. So we're going to do something fun. Uh, right before the game ended, we went on Twitter. You can follow us at Sully My Good Name or at Talking Out Loud to follow the show. And we often do a mailbag where we get some stuff in, and it's often quite good after the losses. So that's what we're going to do to round out the show tonight for the rapid reaction, just so we have some humor, break it up, keep it light and splashy, and then you know I'll take you out with the song. So here we go. Uh, starting out with the mailbag, Blackburn, we're going to do some rapid fire stuff. First comment from our friend Wit. She says, remember a month ago when we were all just excited about the return of the Chapel Blue jerseys? Simpler times. <laughs> That, that was a good time, though. Let's be honest. That's the highlight so far of the year. <laughs> that was. Uh, our friend Peerless Pop says, do you think AG avoiding a technical tonight was a sign of improvement? I think so. What do you think, Blackburn? I mean, I think he should have gotten a tech tonight. That's the odd thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, earlier in the Bahamas, he did that two nights in a row. And, and I just think that crap is just so embarrassing. You know, like, oh, he fired the team up. Like, no, he didn't. He, he just showed his behind and in just like a very public way. No. Yeah, it's, it's essentially. Stupid. Best question of the night from our friends that run the College Basketball Stories podcast, kind of like a drunk history take on college basketball. They said, how frustrated would you be, Blackbird, if this mess of a season, we finally win the A-10 tournament? I wouldn't be frustrated. How, how do you feel about that? Uh, mixed emotions. On one hand, 
you finally Hilarious. you finally you finally do the unthinkable. But then then it's kind of like you have a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying, I told you so. AG's the man. <laughs> he turned it around. And then that would be a prompt first round. This exit. would be the year. I mean this would be the year yeah, for it to happen though. Seriously. And, and again, I wouldn't be frustrated. We're you know, we were for the program to win. That would be an electric three days, you know. But to be honest, would it would it surprise you all that much given the the lack of lack of you know any talent whatsoever in the a10 right now no no it actually wouldn't it, it wouldn't shock me too much yeah. um serious question from our friend david thomas he said what would it take to turn any of this around is it even possible this long into a tenure for a coaching staff i think my position on that is pretty well stated i, I do not think that anthony grant fundamentally is going to change who he is as a coach blackburn what say you yeah i mean you, you can you can do the research yourself but a college coach is pretty much who he is after two or three seasons. So we're in year six now. So (laughs) he is, he is what he is. I mean, there's not going to be any crazy turnaround. He's not going to learn how to be a great in-game coach uh, tomorrow. So that's a, that's a big, no, nothing's going to happen. Uh, Our friend, uh, Bob Loblaw, who runs the law blog said, going into the year, I thought this was going to be our first loss of the season. (laughs) Bad news, Bob. (laughs) He goes, that'll Uh-oh. teach me to try and predict every game. What do you think, Blackburn? Do you didn't think this is going to be our first loss? Yeah, like I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to insult this gentleman. But yeah, if you really thought that, then maybe your, uh, your basketball eye isn't as, uh, isn't as acute as you think. Best question of the night: A friend, Michael Ryan, said, "Do people think? Did people think Dayton was going to be good this year because in the preseason they watched the starters practice against Caleb, Rich, and Zimmy? That is a really good question. Those guys looked at completely well. Caleb and Rich specifically looked very unprepared. And again, I'll, I'll put that back on the coaching staff because I really don't want to blame them. Um, Zimmy, for whatever reason, just hasn't quite developed the way that we thought he was going to. Even though you know, really hard working dude." Uh, but that's a really good question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, maybe that that's part of it, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> they're looking great in practice, <laughs> they're dominating. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's interesting. I didn't think about that. I mean, I think it's it's got more to do with you know the team just barely missing the field and pretty much bringing everybody back. But yeah, I'm sure the ones get after the twos pretty hard in practice. <laughs> Um, this one is a little below the belt kind of, but my friend P Sizzle has a lot of good questions. He said, if we do go this route, and again, we're not asking for you to get fired. Never have on this podcast. Who would you like to see as Dayton's next head coach? Yeah, that's a great question. And somebody, somebody posed this. I'd have to give Chris Mack a call. I'd have to give him a call. Yeah. I mean, would you hate that? Nah, I'd have to give him a call. <laughs> yeah. I, not only would I have to give him a call, he might be the first call. The first call. Be like, hey, Walgreen. man, the beauty and serenity of Southwest Ohio beckons you back. <laughs> it calls. It calls you. <laughs> it I calls mean, you. He, he only went to Louisville. There's got to be something about the hills that he just Plus, loves. The Ohio to be quite honest, I already forgot what he did at Louisville. I'm sure in, in, the, in the day and age of the NIL, it's trivial at best at this point. So It's peanuts. Uh, and let's not forget where his wife went to college. Um, yeah, it's almost too perfect. Chris Mack, next coach, University of Dayton. <laughs> you That's sold where me. we are. You That's sold where me. we are, December 7th. Talking out loud here, this is Sully and Blackburn. But you know what, though? Bag. But Sully, you're right. We, we do need to develop a, you know, every AD has got that list in his drawer, right? We need to develop a short list as the season goes on. Not saying, not saying old man Grant's going to get fired. We're not saying that at all. We're not calling for it. We can't state that enough. 
but it would be interesting to, you know, to see, uh, to put together some kind of list, uh, you know, just look, the kind of guys that we each go for. I know you said you like the coaches that are about their business could be, could be, you know, pains in the asses in the media. I, I tend to agree with you. I kind of like a coach who's like an, uh, like an Asian businessman, you know, doesn't <laughs> yeah. really talk to his wife is all about his, his business, uh, keeps things serious hundred percent of the time. But I don't yeah. think there's any Asian guys coaching in D1 right now. I'll have to look. Yeah. Uh, this isn't really a I question. It's, it's, it's more of a comment from our boy Crawls. He said, the arena renovations look good for the first four every year. They really do. They, they really do. do. He nailed yeah. the nail on the head. There. It's just such a shame that the product on the floor is not you know, living up to the standard of the arena. Um, Jerry, uh, our friend, said, Mike seems to see the floor really well, but the stagnant high ball offense doesn't seem to take advantage of his strengths. Entry seems slow and easy to defend. Uh, nail on the head, Jerry. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what we have been complaining about week in, week out. Dayton scored 14 points in the first eight minutes tonight. And then the entire rest of the game, they scored, what, uh, 35? The whole rest of the game. And I said this to somebody early on in the game. Virginia Tech came out blazing, and they were moving fast. And I was like, oh, my God, this is accidentally – playing into the style that we want Dayton to play fast, up-tempo, get shots up, run down the floor, run and gun, fast break. And I said to him, this, this guy, I said, wait to see what happens when we get into the half court. And <laughs> you saw. Yeah. Dayton got blown out by better athletes, better players, better shooters. So Yeah. I mean, and, and shout out. That was the first time I saw that little point guard on Vatek, man. He's, he's, uh, he's pretty decent. He was good. He was good. Yeah. Grandpa Silly, that guy's get buckets. He yeah. gets buckets. Yeah. He, he's officially, you know, he, he obviously is a right state transfer. Um, somebody got in my DMs uh, tonight and said, you know, uh, he knew Grant Basili's mom. And I guess Grant was always trying to get over to Dayton, but Grant never really gave him the time of day. Yep. That's so, grain of salt stuff we got in the DMs. Don't have any yeah. reason to believe that source would have lied to us, but. Uh, or told us the truth. Yep. But it DMs, makes sense. I've heard crazier tales in the DMs. I really have. Um, short answer for you, Blackburn. This is a pretty short question. Was there any new offensive sets put in during the last two weeks when AG <laughs> lost his starting guards? No. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible question. <laughs> uh, Thomas says, well, the, the pressure should be off the players at this point. Hard to see how this gets better, but I'll be here for it. It's just hard to see. Your reaction? Yeah, I mean, if you're a hardcore UD fan, don't give up on the team. Don't give up on the kids. Um, th- there's a chance for somebody to kind of establish themselves as the seventh or eighth guy on this team. I don't know who the hell that's going to be. Um, a lot, like you said, those guys. We're not going to name names, but a lot of those guys look lost there. That got some extended minutes tonight. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you'd also be okay if you tuned out till March. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we're not going to fault you for it, but we'll be here for you. We'll feed you, baby birds. All right? Rapid reaction, talking out loud. We'll be here every week, okay? We might not be doing two shows a week. I'll tell you that right now. But we will do our contractually obligated one show per week for the whole season. I promise you that, okay? Because I'm contractually obligated. Right. Um, Steve, our buddy who often comments, said, and this is... I'm going to go with um, a time frame for this. How much beer could a senior drink if the ghetto had free beer? I'm going to go uh, 6 p.m. to uh, let's go two in the morning, Blackburn. What do you say? Um, for, for this scenario, we're going to go with uh, Daddy light cans. Yeah, d- domestic light beer. 
I would say, because I've seen it, I would say you could probably, in that amount of time, you can probably get 30 down. A whole case? Have to be yeah. a big fella. I've done it. Yeah. I, yeah, I put it, back a bottle of Smirnoff in a night. Because think about it. That's like eight hours. You're talking. You can get off to a, a hot start, too. You can crank out five, six that first hour. The first um, that's the key. Hour, some can, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the key is to get, for you kids who are going to be binge drinking, the key, <laughs> the key is to get as many beers down the first hour as possible. Yeah. Thanks for letting us on the radio, ESPN. We really do appreciate you. Um, Browns Flyer asks, have you noticed on offense that guys are constantly in the wrong spots on the court and players are motioning them to move out of the way all the time? Shouldn't the players know the offense at this point? Spot on, Browns Flyer. That's actually the thing I've been complaining about a lot. This team looks unprepared every single game. They do nothing well offensively. Um, I'm just going to take that one myself. It, it, that's exactly what we keep complaining about. The, the NBA system, the schemes, the concepts, they're not working. This team doesn't get it. They're not effective offensively. They actively make scoring the basketball look difficult and it's it's just terrible to watch it's disgusting basketball and it's it's a shame because there's just so much talent you can see mongolian mike sees the floor so well and they just neutralize him with this you know slow half court offense this schlock yeah it's it's terrible um aaron asks us what is even the realistic goal at this point in the season i just don't see this coaching staff or team getting them anywhere close to what we thought we would have been this season. What say you? The the goal is obviously win three or four games in Brooklyn. That's the That's only it. goal left. That's the only yeah. goal left. I, I mean, I hate to deflate people, but that pride is, is out the window. <laughs> yeah, it's like pride. Pride is on a boat across the sea. I mean, it's done. Yeah. Um, Dayton Loud asks, can we start live streaming fan commentary during road games? Way too much effort. Sorry, man. This is what you get. It's the Rapid Reaction podcast on ESPN and the podcast feed. Uh, Jerry, you can't ask multiple questions in the mailbag. Okay. As I'm scrolling through here, the dude says, I've never seen a Dayton team with so many names that I can hardly pronounce. Good point. The dude, very good point. He said, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say that (laughs) he he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. He's not, he's not wrong. Scroll down any further. JB sneakers says hire Chris Mack immediately. I didn't tee that one up. I swear to God, that was just as I'm scrolling down. Um, so we got, we got somebody on board with us already. Yeah, yeah. Um, more students asking, how much beer would it take to forget this game happened? Less than you think. Less than you think. Especially it's, if it's craft beer. Um, yeah. You know? It depends what you do after drinking as well. Yeah. If correct. you get in a fight, you know, uh, you, you, you meet a young lady, um, you hurt yourself, you're going to forget about that game right away. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, last one, boy, it's a hot one from Doug. Not even a question. It's just a statement. I'm starting to think Gregory is a better coach than Grant. Boy, Doug, that's too hot, you know, and I'm sorry that we had to get to it in the last 30 seconds of the show here. Um, that's just too hot for us. So Blackburn, we're going to just bypass that one and get right on to our final thoughts for the evening. Take the people out. What are your final thoughts for the radio audience and those on the podcast feed? Well, for all the the faithful and loyal listeners, I'm going to leave everybody with a quote tonight. It's from the great Michael Ray Richardson, who once famously said, the ship be sinking. And I, <laughs> I, I do believe the ship be sinking right now. I will finish my final thoughts with my good friend, Mark Action Jackson, said, considering the expectations going into the season, how bad uh, we have folded under them is this easily the darkest state the program has been in since the last years of the Jim O'Brien era. I really don't think so because the end of the 2010 year was just so quite deflating for a team that probably should have advanced in the NCAA tournament. 
Um, but it's close. Uh, the Jim O'Brien years were dark. There were a couple of dark points uh, while OP was building it back up. But rest assured, Flyer fans, the sun will come up. The Flyers will take the court again on Saturday against UNC Asheville. And thank you for sticking with us all the way to the end of the hour here on Talking Out Loud. This was the Rapid Reaction with Sully and Blackburn. Two o'clock back at the arena against UNC Asheville is where you'll find your Flyers and you'll find us right here on the podcast feed and 1410 ESPN radio as long as you're wearing red and being loud. Catch you next time. Pain without love, pain. I can't get enough pain. I like it rough because I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all.